Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone. My name is David Reed, and welcome to episode 165 of Dial the Gate, the Stargate Oral History Project. Thank you so much for tuning in. Elena Huffman is joining us for this episode, and I'm tremendously excited to have her. Tamara T.J. Johansson in Stargate Universe, so uh, she's going to be joining us. And at the end of this episode, I just want to let you know, uh, one lucky United States or Canadian citizen will have the chance to get this Beyond the Gate Stargate calendar by our buddy RJB Malachor. Uh, it's loaded with uh, the Stargate ship art, so I'm going to uh, give you a, a chance to uh, earn, uh, win that at the end of the episode if you live in the U.S. or uh, Canada. But before we get the show started, uh, if you enjoy Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you click that like button. It makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm. It will definitely help the show grow its audience. And please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend and... If you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next few weeks on the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. So this is a live episode, which means my uh, moderating team in the YouTube chat, they're standing by to take your calls. No, I'm kidding. They uh, will uh, go ahead and accept any questions you have for Elena. They'll get them over to me, and then we'll see about asking them to Elena at the uh, second half of the show. Once again, Elena Huffman, Tamara Johansson, TJ from Stargate Universe, and a beautiful King Charles Spaniel. Who have you got here, Elena? It's Ruby. Aww. She missed me. I was out of town for the weekend, so she just needs a little love. Aww, she's gorgeous. Uh, Brian had a King Charles for a while there. Did you fall in love? Yeah, Brian and I got them at the same time. did. Yeah, the woman who did our hair on Stargate, she bred them. And oh, so both he and I got uh, Cavaliers, and um, yeah, my that one unfortunately passed away. Yes, but... yeah, K- uh, Casey, is it Casey? Uh, Brian's, yes. And then I had another, I had another one, Bridget, and she did. Oh, we called her Bridget Boston, and then I got oh, Ruth. So They're such adorable. great dogs. That you know, that we don't deserve them. Dogs are the best people. I know. Period. So, it's how good. are you? How have you been? So good. Same, same. Just, you know, living the dream. <laughs> okay. So we're going, you just shot another episode of Riverdale, the first for this season. Is that correct? Yes. Season okay. seven. We're in wow. the 50s. Man. Okay. Twyla Twist. Yep. Is that her real name? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's Archie comic book. So everybody's just got like really interesting names. Um, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with my character. When they first approached me, it was supposed to be like this big bad gang, big bad. Um, and it kind of, they just didn't really write for me last season. I did a handful of episodes uh, and they just brought me back this season. I have no idea what they're going to do. It's the last season of the show. So I just think they're bringing everybody back to, you know, a, a big farewell. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
quite the departure from TJ. <laughs> Just a <laughs> wee bit. You know, it's funny though, even if I, if I play a bad guy, if I play a good guy, I always play like a badass. Yeah. So, um, so which I love. Uh, yeah. So, so it's similar in that regard. Cause she's, she's a little badass, but, uh, but yes, there's no one like TJ. TJ has a very special place in my heart. She, um, you know, there was, a, that was a time in my life that I'll, I'll never forget. Um, and I, I just grew to love her. She taught me so much, um, about patience and grace and empathy. And, um, I just, I just love her. I'll love her forever. There is, we had an interesting discussion, um, a while ago. Unfortunately, MGM has not, uh, uh, put it on, uh, YouTube when, when the Stargate command, uh, channel went down, but we had, uh, you and I and, and Chris, a discussion about how you discovered her vulnerability and yeah. that you you called her crybaby you said she's like crying all the time but then you you started accessing this other part of the character and you had a revelation can you talk about that a little bit yeah she was just like yeah it was kind of like um I, I just was annoyed with her a lot because she was always like I can't do it I don't know how and and like every script, it was like TJ fighting herself, basically. And then I realized it was her sort of utilizing her community. And they were in this in this situation that no one's ever really been in. Um, and she didn't go in, she went out and all encompassing. And I think it's such a it's such a response for us to be like, I can do it by myself which is where I personally was at in life. Right. And I realized like, you don't have to, you have a community, you have people who love you. Um, you have other people you can serve. And if you enjoy servicing, you know, giving service to others, then you should be able to receive it as well. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like a real big life lesson for me at, at 28 years old. Wow. And as a caregiver, normally, I mean, I, I would have a difficult time detaching my empathy, you know, just to go home at night and rest after watching someone die on my table, you know, during the day, hey. I can only imagine that. And so with someone like her, you know, who has been thrown clear across the universe, I mean, we can't even imagine what this would feel like, you know, she's the only one out there in her, in her mind who can, uh, medically care for these people in any way. So I can imagine, you know, for the first few weeks of that, that would be pretty darn crushing. Yeah. And also she wasn't fully qualified. Yeah. So that was a lot of her insecurity, but again, like there was a need for her to be at least trying and, um, and yeah, it was overwhelming, but yeah, I love her. She's very special. I think that you're right. She was a medic. I think that as as the show would have gone on, uh, we would have had people stone in, as it were, to 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 complete her training and make her a full doctor. I bet. Yeah. That, I bet that would have happened as as the show continued. But you know, absolutely. Um, how did you how did you get that role? Can you tell us that story if you don't mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I think Ruby's done. Um, <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. She's like, God, all the love I need. Um, yeah, it was just, it was an audition, like, like anything else. And, um, I read it. I originally, I read for TJ and I liked her. I thought she was cool. She had a little edge. She, you know, um, 
I for, I don't remember the scene that I um excuse me that I auditioned that but yeah. yeah but but they you know they really liked me and so they offered me a test deal and so we negotiate your test deal and but then they came back and they were like you know we want to test you for Chloe and I was like oh interesting and then I don't know if they sent me they must have sent me the pilot but it was you know it was three episodes the pilot uh and there were so many characters it was confusing. And um, like any script, like even Riverdale, there's so many characters or I was on a show, the hundred, mm-hmm. uh, which has a lot of Stargate qualities, which is kind of interesting. Um, but, but yeah, there's so many characters and different realms and worlds and things like that. So you can get kind of lost, especially if you don't have context, you've never seen a set. It's not an existing show, right? This is, we were going to be making this. Um, so I, I just was like, I didn't, I wasn't really feeling Chloe, and I went in, I did the audition and I didn't love it. And I called my agent and I was like, I, I don't think that's the job for me. Like I, I really just, I don't think I did a good job. I just, maybe it's not mine, you know, which is a hard thing to do when you've negotiated a seven year deal. And it's, you know, you're looking at like a peak of your career. And I just was like, I, I don't think it should. Okay. I'll, I'll call them. So she called and said, you know, she didn't think she did a great job. She doesn't feel like it's the right character. And they're like, yeah, we agree. And I was like, oh, all right, great. And then they called back the next day and they offered me the job at TJ. <laughs> so they switched back. <laughs> yeah. So like, and I don't, I don't know what happened in their test because they were testing TJs that day. I don't, I don't know if they thought I just wouldn't do the show otherwise, if that, if that mattered to them. I don't, I don't know. I just remember it being like, it's kind of like an affirmation to me. That's what's for you won't miss you because that's a hard, that's a really hard thing to say is like, I don't think this is my job. Well, we're talking um, about, you know, you had young family at this, but you still have a pretty young family, you know, talking about no, being like, able yeah. to sustain that for potentially five, seven years and saying, no, I don't know if I, but I mean, if you're going to be in the wrong character, the place that you don't feel that you're coming from yourself, you feel like a fraud for half a decade. I mean, that'd be a yeah. hard, imagine going to work with that in your mind every day. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really, it is one of those things where, um, I remember also a, another situation. I was on a hike with a friend of mine and there was an audition that had come through and I, I, same thing. I just wasn't really feeling. And I usually say yes to every opportunity, mm-hmm. um, whether or not it goes my way or, or what I have to do sort of in the interim, I always try to look at it as like a great opportunity. My agents work really hard to get these for me. You know, I don't take it lightly. And uh, there was this character, I forget what it was, but I just, it wasn't for me. And I remember saying to my friend, like, I feel bad. I I don't want to even pass on it. And she goes, don't think of it as you passing on it. Think of it as as you opening the opportunity for somebody else because somebody else is deserving and willing to do this job. And so that's kind of my mentality now. And and that was how it was with Chloe. Like, it just wasn't my job. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for me. And Elise was amazing. And I love Elise. And like, I wouldn't know her otherwise. You know what I mean? Like, this is, it all worked out. Yeah. And you know, the, the universe has a way of, of course correcting, you know, when, when you pass something along, something else, you know, if, if I, I believe, you know, will, will come your way, you know, you're going to be okay. So yeah, and it always it always works out. Exactly right. Tell us uh, who among the cast uh, uh, you gelled with immediately, and who took a little bit longer for you to figure out. You know, can you can you tell the the Robert Carlyle story when you first opened when he first opened his mouth? 
you were like, oh, oh yeah, oh boy. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. We were. I was it on. I think it was like the first table read we had. I first saw him at the test. He was going. He was going outside in between. They tested all the characters at the same time, and he said hello. And he's like, nice work. And I said thank you. And then, um, and then I saw him the first time at work a few months later, and he was outside of the studio and his accent is so thick. And then I was like, Oh my God, I don't understand you. <laughs> and then he, and then I felt like every time I said, huh, pardon, he like got quieter and quieter. And I was like, Oh my God. But then when he's on camera, he's, I mean, he's an actor, of course, but you know, you don't think like this, even though I have an actor, he like really opens up and he's, you know, he makes a very pronounceable accent for everybody. And, and I, and I told him, I was like, Oh my God, I was questioning. And he's like, Oh, I know. And he's like, you know, the less you understand, the quieter I get. And I was like, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. David blue. Tell us about David. Oh, David. David's one of my best friends. I love David. We actually weren't close during Stargate. Not, not for any particular reason it, it was a really challenging time in my life personally and uh, I was working on a failing marriage um and it was a really special time in my life because there was like we were away from home we were in Vancouver um it was a great work schedule Stargate was always a wonderful work schedule my friends on Atlantis they say the same thing like it's a great job um, so it allowed me a lot of time to spend with my family and that's what I did. So David would always organize these like group settings and I never really went because like I had two little kids at home and a husband. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm from Vancouver originally. So I have a lot of family. So like weekends I'd be at my aunt's house or I'd see my grandma or, you know, I lived in Los Angeles, so I didn't always get to see everybody. Um, and yeah, he took it personally at first he's like oh you like me and I was like no like I'm a whole person <laughs> um and then and then uh, a few years later like we actually live really close to each other and uh and then we would work out together all the time and now we just I just talked to him for like an hour the other day on the phone he's great I love David yeah what about Brian Brian Brian's great the whole cast is great I haven't actually kept in touch with Brian we text every once in a while but he just, he's just like a very serious actor. You know, he comes in, he does his work. He's really sweet. He's really fun. Um, but yeah, I haven't really spent a lot of time with him since Stargate. It's been amazing watching um, all of your careers uh, uh, grow. When, when he appeared on The Matrix, it was, yes, that's great. And watching Ming, you know, just... Like I've, I've been trying to get her on and she's her age. They're, they're amazing. They're very patient with me, but they're like, you know, you realize she's in Stargate now. I I heard Star Wars. And I was like, yes, she's doing amazing. She's doing amazing work. You so. know, it's funny when she did agents of shield, she yes. was like, Who I'd be like 50 as an action hero. And, you know, that's just kind of the thing. Like you, you just really don't know where your careers are going to go. Um, there's, there's so much value we have. And, and I'll say just particularly as women, we sort of tend to undervalue ourselves in society, particularly in image conscious society. I know it does happen for men too, but it, I, I always feel like I remember having this conversation with Jensen Ackles, uh, at the end of star, uh, supernatural. Yeah. I was like, I was like, you know, you could really take a 10 year break and come back and have a solid career. 
And that that's just very typical. I feel like a lot of male actors really hit their stride in their late forties. Um, whereas, you know, with women, they're like, oh, well, you don't exist anymore. And it doesn't have to be that way. And, but, but a lot of women go into producing, uh, which is what I've been doing. I still act. I'll, I'll always act. You know, I always said like, I want to be like Judy Dench, like just forever. Um, and (laughs) I feel like as I get older, like the roles get better. Um, I'm starting to read for these really cool character roles that I didn't have access to in my younger years. Um, I also don't want to work every day. So I love, I love like being the mom or the, what, you know, that's kind of my goal is to get on a series in a supporting role and just, and, and nurturing younger actors. Like um, my daughter just started acting and I'm like, gosh, I have so much to offer you. You know, just you, a, you've watched my career and spent time on set. So there's like this allure that, that you were already aware of. And then, and then secondly, like, I, I just know the business. I, I can protect you from the, the mishaps and the, um, and, and not in like a momager way, but like in a, in a mentor way, in a friend way. Uh, so it's cool. Your, your kids are great. They're going to do well. Thank you. So. I like it. <laughs> The, the first season of the show, um, it's setting up uh, that there was some history between TJ and, uh, and Young. Louis Ferreira uh, yeah. played, played Colonel Young. Was it uh, easy to connect with him? Uh, he's a cut-up, you know? I love Interesting really. guy. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so unfortunate that the audience didn't get Papa Smurf. We call him Papa Smurf. <laughs> Cause he's, he really is. He's hilarious. He's fun. And of course, young, especially early on, like we didn't get there, right? right. If, we, if we would have gotten there, you would have seen all the, all, all that he could do um, and just who he is. But, um, but yeah, young was just really in his head and he was sad most of the first season and had to be in charge of everything and, and hold it all together. But yeah, in life, oh, He's a, he's hilarious. He's again, a dear, dear friend of mine. I see him often. Um, and I'm so grateful for him in my life. Was the set claustrophobic? Like literally physically? Did, did it, because it's, it's not, we, we later got to a, a little bit more um, uh, opportunity to be off the ship, but yeah. this is, this is a, a, darker tone than than sg1 or atlantis the ship is is closed more the light uh, sources are extremely limited uh did it did it feel closed in compared to some of your other set work before so i don't have the reference of sg1 and atlantis um i can see if there's a direct comparison you know people are are comparing them I always just looked at it as it's its own show. And, and me, I always felt like, you know, if Prince put out a new album, I'd, I'd go and get it because he's my favorite artist. So I feel like, you know, the creators of these other shows just wanted to do something different and it's no disrespect to anything that they've done previously. It was just a new incarnation of their thoughts. But I also feel that, um, what, one of the draws for me when I read the first script was, Oh, we're stuck on a spaceship. That means there's no locations. Like I'm going home at seven o'clock on a Friday, <laughs> and they're gonna pay what I'm asking. Yes, 
I mean, like that's kind of how we think of it as actors. So, you know, towards the second season, we did go out more into the sets and that's always really nice, particularly in the spring. But this is where Brad and, and Rob are really smart. They're from Vancouver. Like they know a lot of times I've done a lot of shows in Vancouver. The writers have never been. They don't know that it's 30 degrees and raining and they're writing these scenes like action sequences in, in fishnets and booty shorts. And, you know, you're literally freezing at three o'clock in the morning doing flips on ice. They understood that. So our location stuff was in the summer and it was when it was nice weather and we took a hiatus in the summer so everyone can have a break. And our main hiatus was over the winter. So no one had to be here. And that makes a big difference. Yeah, the yeah. um the that's that's the thing about being, you know, 16 and 17 seasons into a franchise, you know. They've really refined the process. I've got the I've got your little beauty right here. Um and uh it's it's that's one of me. my one of my darlings. Uh what a what an amazing set. An amazing environment. So um the, the the production team, James C. D. Robinson, they they built with steel. They were gonna amortize that over five years and what a gorgeous environment. I, I, I walked on the set, you know, the first season and it was like stepping into Jules Verne. It was like it was completely out of the world. Well yeah, so when you use the word claustrophobic at first I was like, No, oh my God. It was like right. a vast and beautiful and amazing and so intricate in the swing sets and how they were able to turn each set into multiple settings. Um but yes, I, I, I just, we just didn't, we didn't get a chance to, uh, you know, to build. The bridge was beautiful. We brought that mm, into. The, yeah. The bridge is a big regret because it was like, this thing is great. And the, the way that it was, that it was built up in, into the series, the, the unveiling of it was perfect. Yeah. The wardrobe though. Um, yeah. Not often a chance to, uh, to, to go to Target and, and buy some new jeans. I know. So, so we had this conversation and I was like, we did at one point find a bag of clothes. I feel like that came from me because I, I asked, I was like, can we just like, can we just find clothes? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's what I would want if I was stuck on a show on a ship or something. And we like, you know, I'd be like, Oh, I, I think, I think there was like, there was a very conscious decision that character wise we would honor our military roots so that there was order so that there was you know um a managed society mm-hmm. but um so that that did make sense character wise for me like how their hair was always kept and their you know uh but yeah we started having conversations of like we don't have razors we don't have, like what what does happen uh we're not on a desert island but we don't we don't have target <laughs> exactly right and on top of that you know one of the things that um, that costuming did did really well is it, it was a story point. They had to have name tags clearly visible for when yeah. people use the stones, and so yeah. you had someone else in, in in someone's body. And it's like, well, who's who? You know, at a certain point, um, if you get too far away from that, it it it's not so easy to tell who everyone is if everyone's in like typical clothing. Well, is that Eli or is that you know, whose clothes is that? So. The clothes were were so important to who the character was too. It was really pretty tied down. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, that was one regret I had is like we didn't. I didn't ever get to use the stones. I didn't right. get to you know have that that experience. But but yeah, that would have been another way to bring the outside world in and to bring us out of the ship. Um, 
and a a cool opportunity for other actors to work on a show that is so cast centric Mm -hmm. um you know because we've got to think about you you know you're you're a viable project in town you you have to create employment opportunities and um and bring in you know fresh fresh blood and new faces and so um so yeah that was a really clever cool way to do that one of my favorite um scenes is with you and david on the 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 time soundstage in the rain and he's got the kino camera on his head and she's just opening up to him about how she learned to sew clothes from her dad and how one thing kind of led to another um that Moments like that really stand out to me as an audience member because, and and it's it. I'm interested to see that you, you're probably freezing your ass off in the rain, and I've got to no, act through this. One, no, in that one we weren't actually because we were on the stage. They yeah. built that stage because that was a that was a brilliant episode. Like that was all shot in kinos. It was all oneers. It was a smart smart episode. Like I don't I don't think anybody's made an episode of television like that before or since like we got to really appreciate how rad that episode was mm-hmm. they worked yeah, was- sorry say again no that was a sound stage right they worked in um in season one with your pregnancy i believe is that right yeah okay it's a great way to start a new job <laughs> right. no guys <laughs> Big news. Um, I'm pregnant. You know, it worked out. It works out really well. I think it actually worked out better for TJ. Um, like the, the, the fair storyline was really for young and it, you know, it really played into his psyche. And then when I got pregnant in real life and they, you know, it was something like Brad and Rob were like, we actually thought it would be a great storyline to explore in this circumstance. Like what would happen? I mean, people do get pregnant. Um, and, and they're like, we didn't really want it to be you, but, uh, okay. And it worked out. I mean, it had already lined itself up and then the timing worked out with our hiatus. Um, and I think it gave TJ just so much more humanity mm-hmm. and, you know, softness. And, um, and I think it gave young a lot of softness too, but it also made her less the adulterer and more, um, a human who right. made a mistake. Yeah. You know, you're off world. Um, there's just, there's a whole other, you know, set of circumstances to this that you guys are cut off from, from the rest of, of humanity. And who knows if you're just going to, who knows if they were gating back home for the weekend, you know, and slipping back into yeah. some comfy shoes at the house and going out and seeing Iron Man, you know, right. I mean, this is, this, there's, when you take back and you and you look at the circumstances that you guys were in out there uh, on Icarus and then in um, uh, in the ship across the cosmos, I don't think any of us can truly you know ponder you know what that kind of life would be like. And when you know the chips are down, who knows what decisions you would make together just to maintain your yeah. humanity and, and stay alive. I mean, when I travel for work, it's lonely. Like, right. like I, I'm going to a city where all my comforts, you know what I mean? Like I have friends and I have people to call. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I do think that that, you know, we're connective beings and mm-hmm. I, I, I do think it would be challenging. I, I that, and that's what I think the storyline always wanted to convey that it was less, less trashy and more, um, 
just just more connective, mm-hmm. like life circumstance. It, you know, maybe doesn't fit into everybody's moral compass, but it but it's understandable. It's, it's, it happens. It happens. A yeah. friend of mine, you know, went to uh, I forget whatever. Anyway, and he he came back and he had to tell his wife. You know, that they didn't get pregnant, but I mean, he he uh, uh, you know he 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 regretted what he did, and that's life. That's what the show was good about. You know, mirroring for for all of us. I think that's one of the qualities that it had above. Uh, above the other the other two is that you know these people were more like me you know and yeah. as as I got to to spend more time with them I fell in love with them more because of it because yeah. they weren't they weren't inaccessible like in a comic book you know they were they were people that you know I could see running into you know in my life yeah yeah I think I think that's like always the goal for me as an actor is to like tap into an audience like that we are the same and empathy. And like, even if you don't agree with me, even if you don't like me, I remember um, an early mentor in my career, uh, Kit Carson, he's a a writer. He wrote Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He was big in the independent film scene in Texas where I started in Dallas. And he became like an early supporter of mine and a mentor. And I remember, I'll never forget it. He said to me, you gotta break their heart. And I've taken that into every character. I look for an opportunity to connect on a heart level with the audience because it's true. You have to see, even if it's like Cruella de Vil or, you know, a horrible warlord, like you have to see humanity. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's not a whole character. Mm-hmm. So um, even even my character on, on um, Supernatural, that was a hard one because she's not human she's, she's so demonic oh my god she's literally a demon and and i was like i, I but I, I always wanted moments to find where if it wasn't necessarily like an empathetic thing in terms of her justification for her actions it was like oh i understand the the need to seek power i understand uh where josie like took control of abaddon it was it was like she was stuck in this you know fifties um, era of women who she was at the top of her game she couldn't get any higher she saw this possession as an opportunity to sort of break the glass ceiling so it's yeah it's just relatability empathy um, characters real life like shit happens I think that you know the the if a if a character a character is successful if I, as an audience member, go in and the character in some way through their actions makes me say, what would you do if you were in my shoes? Right. How would you be any better as a, yeah. based on the circumstances that led to who I am? You know, it's got to be trickier for more for certain characters like, like Abaddon than for others, you know? Yeah. So I um, loved the arc of and this this must have been this must have been hard for you um finding out in season two that uh the ship was basically lying to tj about the fate of her baby to keep her motivated and on mission for the mission yeah was that kind of hard to wrap your head around story-wise did you go to the writers and say hey what what really happened there or was it pretty clear that oh my baby actually died and what I saw with with Kane was a simulation on the planet. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I think I think, and then I think that speaks to the human desire to have hope. Yeah, 
um, again, you know, like, I, I don't know if it's denial. I don't know if it's, um, avoidance, but, but yeah, I think it's, it's a coping mechanism mm -hmm. in a way. And the, and the ship had that ability to tap into our emotions, um, you know, like our phones do when you say something and all of a sudden you've got the ads on there. But, um, <laughs> the one thing that I will say that I'm, I'm so grateful for is that, uh, so I had Charlie was the baby that I was yeah. pregnant with. I had her on hiatus. Um, and we knew, you know, coming back, she was going to be born. And then what happens on during the cliffhanger? And we knew we were coming back for a second season. Um, and they didn't discuss it. They were like, we will deal with fake babies when real babies are healthy. And I'm forever grateful. Like there was no weird energy towards me. Um, and, uh, and they just always took care of like my emotional well being as a mother, uh, before my character. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I appreciate that. Yeah, that made it work. And then uh, if, if we think that TJ is going to have a, a happy, you know, time after that, we finally find out she's got ALS. It's like, oh, man, the emotional baggage that was that was uh, that was I, I suppose, you know, you could look at it as like as an actor, you could look at it as being handed a, a big thick steak to munch on. Yeah, well, um, Carl Binder initially wrote that episode and came up with that storyline. And this is the one thing that I also loved about working on that show is that the writers were here yeah. uh, on step, set with us. And there's this big, beautiful deer in my backyard. I'm just, like, just trying to eat my roses. Uh-oh, they uh -huh. do that. I know. <laughs> they have to wait till the spring. Um, and uh, Carl came up to me. So this is the cool thing. They would, they would come to set, like they'd come down and get lunch and then they'd just like kind of kick it with us on stage and, and talk a little bit and, and share ideas, which, which is so nice. A lot of times you don't have those relationships with writers, usually because they're in a room somewhere or, um, I, you know, just, 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 just the nature of being a writer. Mm -hmm. It's not the most social, uh, uh the, a lot of writer friends that I have are not super social. So you just don't really have those conversations, but, um, Carl kind of kicked the idea around. And then when they decided on the idea, he came to me first long before the script came out and told me. And he said exactly that, which I'm so grateful for. He's like, I just want you to know, like, if we go 15 years, you're not going to die. Um, uh, I just, I think that you can tell this story and I trust you with it. And I, that was a huge compliment to me. I felt really grateful. And um and I would have loved to have played it longer and sort of bring some awareness to it. And, um, and just the struggle that, that one does as they, as they learn to cope with this new fate that they have. We, I'm not going to belabor the point about, you know, not getting to finish this story, but in so many ways, I love common descent and epilogue because it is of a, a, a version of finishing that story. And I've told you this before, that shot of you washing clothes on the beach or on the on the shore next to the river is the most gorgeous shot of that series. The cinematographers were amazing. I don't know how early you got up to shoot that, but that is the first up. Again, it was like this. I remember it very specifically. Um, and it was a huge. Yeah, because it was shot wide. 
and it was misty and that was all practical. I mean, it was, it was an early morning. I, I think it was probably like a 7am call. So by the time we got that shot off, it was eight o'clock in the morning. So not crazy early, but, um, I think like the voyeuristic nature of the shot is what's so heartbreaking about it. It's beautiful. And then you're like, Oh my God, like this is an internal struggle that we're witnessing and we kind of shouldn't, right. but here we are with somebody that we love and we can't do anything about it. And I, I'll, it was again, super quick. It was like an eighth of a page, you know, one setup shot, maybe a couple of shots. I don't remember exactly, but I remember getting in the van to go back to the stage to do the rest of the day. And, um, the makeup artist Tish who ended up being the makeup artist on supernatural as well. She goes, wow, that was so beautiful. And I was just like, oh, and it's just so nice when your work impacts people like you, cause you're there doing it. Like, did it sell? Do you read it? Did I, you know? And, um, yeah, it was a really nice confirmation that it, it was beautiful. And there's no dialogue, you know, it's all just internal. And the same yeah. with the montage of the time passing around the table with the family. Yeah, it was a very visual <sighs> episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Got to yeah. sink your teeth in. I got a few mm -hmm. questions for you from fans, if you don't mind. Yeah, come before on. I, before I get into that... Um, uh, I I want to pitch you uh, an idea later on this year. Um, not sure when. Uh, I'd I'd love to get as many of the SJU uh, team back together for a Zoom reunion. Would you be interested in that? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um. It's. As I would as like I'm... a reunion. Say again. I would like a reunion. As far as I'm concerned, and I'll tell this to any Stargate fan, it's the best of the three shows. Far enough. Uh. So, Lock Watcher, you played such a unique character as you were playing a medic who had to step into the role of the series Doctor. Did you approach this any way than your previous work? It's kind of like really a fish out of water. She knows the basics, but now she's being way out of her depth, you know? Uh, did I approach it differently? Than, a, than a, any kind of previous role that you'd had. So I, I feel like my process for discovering a character is um, just being open to it. I mean, there's mm. obviously sometimes technical elements of the character, whether it's um, a likeness or, or, um, or you know, a, a cadence of speech or something mm -hmm. like that. But, but for a character like TJ, that was completely made up. Um, they always had, they always had tactical advisors. We had military advisors, we had yes. medical advisors. And so I did take the opportunities to work with them when they were provided for me. And I'm always grateful for that. And the show was, was fantastic about that. Um, I always say it's kind of just a process of being open to discovering. And um, when I love Shonda Rhimes book, uh, my year of yes, she talks about writing for Grey's Anatomy in the early seasons and, and learning about the characters is kind of like a thruple. So it's the actor, the writer, and the character. <laughs> and we sort of all engage in this, at first, awkward dance, and we all come with our ideas, and then we kind of learn each other's language and and, um, and start to hear each other's voices. And so... Um, that happened with me with TJ. Interesting, complete side note. I remember going in for this series and I got a scene and I was like, this is so weird. I 
had no idea who had written this. I went in there and I text my girlfriend, who's a writer. And I was like, I just read for this show. Are you by chance writing it? She goes, I wrote that scene for you. I knew from her writing that it was her. Isn't that wild? There was a like, vibration coming through. You know? It was like, I, I, it's like a language and we yeah. just learn to speak it. And I don't know if it's something you can prepare for other than being open to it and immersing yourself in it. It's not technical. I feel like, I feel like sometimes um, there are very technical actors. People, people, you know, have a process that works for them. And, uh, you know, I don't discount anybody's process, but it's my experience that a lot of people who come in with a very technical approach are not then open to the, to being in the the sandbox. And a lot of times the discovery of your character, you learn through your interaction with other characters. And it's not how your character should act, but it's innately how your character does act because you're there, you're present. Um, so, so yeah, so as, as situations came up, I always was discovering how TJ would handle them. I've talked with a number of writers who say that in certain respects, uh, you have plot uh, goals and then you write the characters into the scene and they take over. Yeah. And it's not, obviously they're not alive or into it, but I mean, you could argue that, you know, a, a creative person has almost a, a bit of multiple personality going on. And I imagine it's very similar for you when you, when you are placed in a situation, you know, as a performer and you look at, you look at it and it's like, I don't know if this has happened to you, but it's like, this doesn't feel right. You know, yeah. it says that I do this, but, and I can do that, but it doesn't feel honest and it doesn't feel true to the character. Totally. And I remember having that conversation with Brad. It was, I forget what episode it was, but it was something where like young, I mean, um, Scott and TJ were the same rank. Yes. And, and he, uh, he would always take sort of the more point position when they were in the field. And it made sense technically because she was the medic. And so she, she, even though rank wise, they were equal, she had a different role. Uh, and there was a moment and I forget what it was, but I brought it to Brad, no, Brad and Rob, I think. And I said something about it and I was a little apologetic. I was like, look, I don't, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but like, right. this isn't right. And Rob just got this big smile on his face and he's like, I love someone who protects their character. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're absolutely right. Like if you were TJ, that's how TJ would feel. There's nothing wrong with expressing it. And um, so, you know, that, that, I don't know, I'm not going to speak for them, but yeah. that may have given them the confidence to know that that's how TJ operates. Right. And uh, you know, to move forward in that capacity. So yeah, we're, we're just continually learning and, um, and in this, in this like beautiful little thruple and each writer writes your character a little bit differently. Like um you you know, Carl always wrote TJ beautifully. Um, mm. They they all did, but everyone has their little their little their little secret sauce on your character. Carl writes like I mean with his soul, right? Like right yeah. right in his face while he's you know working on that keyboard to to produce these words. It's it's amazing to watch, and you know like. I loved TJ in her in her command moments. Water is one of my favorite episodes because the boys are off the ship and yeah. you know, she's having to deal with this sandstorm and uh her instincts you know are are the ones that 
that the the uh, non-aggressive instincts are are the ones that in this particular situation, the ones that went out. You know, she negotiates with this thing basically to get it off the ship. Yeah, so yeah. that's cool stuff. Rear comes in with his big fire stick. Oh my God, <laughs> do you want to die? Did you see what happened to the Could other guy? Love that he thing. shredded. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Every time I talk about Stargate, I'm like, I gotta go back and watch it. It was a great show. It's a great show. The, really fifth, the last 15 minutes are very hard to watch when Joel's music is playing and oh. um, they're putting everyone in, in stasis. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, just cut your heart out with a knife, man, you know? So yeah. they're still floating out there and not aging. So I know. Not aging. That's the key. <laughs> uh, I love it. Anthony wanted to know once Carl told you about the ALS, did you go online and, and look into it a little bit more um, before filming those scenes at all? Oh, or yeah. did you just t- let it take over? No, 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 no. I wanted to get the technical elements of it. Right. And I also wanted to hear people's stories. I mean, this was like early internet days, right? Yeah. We didn't have Instagram wasn't a thing. Um, no TikToks, but we had YouTube. So I did YouTube, a lot of stuff and there were not as many influencer type people um that are now i i would imagine now i could go on and find someone's entire experience documented with als but i i had i had i did have some resources um i don't i don't remember if it was like a the lou garrick's foundation Mm. um i i did i did significant you know due diligence on the research and, and then made it my own but i wanted to make sure i got it right Raj, uh, excuse me, Zagros, Zagros Oskin. Uh, as a viewer, who did you enjoy watching on on the show? Oh, interesting. Um, hmm. Such a great cast. It's hard to pick. That's it's, almost yeah. that's almost unfair. I know. No, it really is because all the all the dynamics of characters are to- totally different too, and their right. interactions are different and independent of their character. Um, I, it, you know, the most beautiful part about the show is that it was an ensemble. Yep. So I personally, as an actor, didn't mind watching that show with me in it because it, you know, there could be episodes where I'm only in two or three pages. Uh, so I could like, just watch my friends and enjoy the show and not be like, <laughs> oh, God, cringe on my own work. But, um, uh, who did I like? I don't know. I think, I think, you know, the, the magic about David playing Eli was that he, like he would always be like I'm not Eli but he is not like the most close to his character so that was always really fun to see him kind of just flourish in that way um yeah yeah that's fair absolutely no David is absolutely Eli on on numerous levels so So many levels (laughs) still to this day yeah the one with the many Z's says, uh, given the mentioned seven-year deal, um, were the actors already told an envisioned time span for SGU's run during casting, or were all commitments season by season only? Do you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. No, it's pretty industry standard. If you test for a series, you test for a seven-year deal, and okay. it's 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 really for the benefit of the the network, not not the actor. Um, but it just kind of it kind of gives you it's an option of your time mm-hmm. um and it's pretty much for all this series regular cast so it would have been the six or seven of the six 
seven of us, I guess. And then everyone else might, might do a one year option or an episode per episode option. Um, and then they develop those storylines sort of as needed, but no, nothing, no foresight into what was going to come. Um, like I said, the writers would come down and they'd sort of discuss ideas and, um, and I don't know if they were gauging, they certainly weren't asking for permission nor, nor did they have to, but, uh, um, I'm not sure if it was like, a just a sharing or a gauging, mm-hmm. not, all, not all writers do. I mean, I've been on other shows where they've asked me back and I'm like, what, like, what are you, what are you going to do with me? Um, and I not, I'd be happy for the job, but it's also like, it's, there's a point where it's beyond catching a check. You know, you want right. to, you're like, well, well, what am I doing? What's the plan? Um, with Stargate though, I trusted, um, I, tr- I trusted them with TJ. And so, uh, and, and I, tr- and it was a trust because we had an open rapport. I could, I could go to people and be like, Oh, I'm not really feeling this or how about this? Or. Right. Exactly. You could feel them out, you know, and they, you're all, you know, you're all working, working to service the same, the same thing, make a great entertaining yeah. product. The goal is collaborative. The goal is to make, you know, high art and to like, what a blessing we're, we're, we're living a dream. So. Absolutely. Um, our, uh, RJR asks, uh, what do you think would have happened uh, had the show went on? We know that David has an idea of of a, a big piece of the puzzle and that he's not telling. He's going to go to his grave with that and and good. Um, but what do you what do you think uh, would have happened? You know, uh, my imagination is never as good. That is not my. <laughs> I love right. story. I have a lot of friends who are writers, and I'll I will I will give story notes. I love 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 being a part of the creative process. But I honestly just, I like the surprise of getting a script and seeing where it goes and then adding my little touch to it. Um, I don't, I don't, I've never tried to imagine what would happen because just like, and I, and I'll akin it to this. When we would go to the observation deck, Mm. we'd have this big green screen that we look out at. It was never, my imagination was never as good as how brilliant our team was. So I'm always like, there's, there's people that are better at that than me. And I, I have my part in it, but I have no idea. I really don't. I would have loved to have been surprised to see what would have happened. That's really cool. That's really fun. Uh, Elena, you are one of my favorites. I am. I'm so glad we've, we've finally gotcha. Um, you still have your Kino? I do. I do. I do. One day it's going to fly. I know. I know. We'll find a way. I'm sure of it. So the the fan community, man, that's a fan made prop taken from it's the original amazing. molds. But yeah. I mean, it's perfect. It's so. amazing, and it's a great conversation piece. People are like, "What is this?" Well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I, I appreciate you coming on, um, and uh, we'll see uh, uh, later on in the year about uh, about uh, possibility of of doing an, an SG. I, I would I would love it. I would love it. You you guys are all great people. You created a great product, and uh, I'm so thankful that we got the two years that we did. Really yeah, cool. me too. Thank you. Let's do it. I'm, I'm happy to help. So let's communicate, and we'll figure it out. Absolutely. I'm going to let you go, and on your side, I'm going to finish the show, the show on this side, all right? Bye, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye, you too. Bye-bye. Elena Huffman, everyone. TJ, Tamara Johansson in Stargate Universe. God, I love that show. 
All right. If you are a uh, U.S. or Canadian uh, citizen, uh, well, mainly if you have a U.S. or Canadian address, I'm going to give you an opportunity for this. Our buddy uh, Ryan Bingham, RJB Malacor, uh, is giving away this um, Beyond the Gate 2023 calendar. And if you are willing to relinquish your address, then I am willing to go ahead and give it to uh, our first viewer who emails me at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Don't send me your address. Just if you are in the U.S. or Canada, whoever is first to email me, I'll let you know uh, if you're the first. Uh, and I will, uh, I will pass uh, your information uh, over to uh, Ryan so that we can get this uh, we can get this beautiful piece to you now. And if you're interested in looking at more of his art, you can uh, visit the link below. Uh, uh, I'm going to be putting in his deviant art address uh, momentarily as well. I already have one uh, there, but absolutely great artist. Uh, I'll also link to his uh, previous episode uh, where uh, he discusses um, his work and shows off a lot of his art. That was Elena Huffman. Thank you so much for tuning in to Dial the Gate. We've got... A hell of a lineup coming your way. I just secured John Delancey today for an episode uh, later this season. So over at dialthegate.com, we have our full schedule. Next um, uh, Sunday, February is that? Is it Sunday or is it Saturday? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to double check the times here. Um, give me just a minute on that. Let me let me do that before I absolutely screw everything up. That's a Saturday, so I have those dates wrong. So Saturday, February the 4th at 10 a.m. Pacific time, we have David McNally, who played three roles, two in SG-1 in Atlantis, one in Atlantis. Jonathan Glasner is back from a pre-recorded episode to discuss more SG-1 and his brand new series, The Ark, which is coming out this Wednesday on Sci-Fi and Peacock. James Titchener, visual effects producer and writer for Stargate SG-1. We have him on February the 11th at 12 noon. Uh, as uh, And that's, uh, man, I am I am terrible. Look at this. Two, two, time, two episodes at the same time? That is not right. Um, I will get that set up correctly on the website. James, it's Jonathan and then James. So, Jonathan, I'll, I'll have him on at 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific and then James on at 12 noon. Sorry, guys. Spank me, Rosie. John Delancey is going to be on uh, joining us on February the 15th. That's a Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. He's going to be joining us uh, live to discuss Frank Simmons and Q and, and anything else you want to discuss. So he'll be taking your questions live. And Bonnie Bartlett, Linnea, is back for one more episode. We had such a good time with her while she was on. And she was saying that she was going to be uh, 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 releasing her memoir, Middle of the Rainbow, so we're going to be getting her back on um, at uh, 10 in the morning. I think this is also a Saturday. Let me double check this here. 11th, 18th. Yes, this is also a Saturday. I'll update this as well. Saturday, February the 18th at 10 in the morning live. And if you go to dialthegate.com and click on this, Middle of the Rainbow, you can get her book. And uh, you can uh, read that before the show so you can have questions for her. My thanks to Linda Gate-Gabber-Fury, my producer, who makes uh, the show uh, possible with a lot of our guests. She's been a big help in making um, uh, a lot of the uh, 
a lot of the guests possible for this year. So uh, big thanks to her. My production team, uh, my moderators, Summer, Tracy, Jeremy, Reese, and Anthony, you guys are the best. Thank you for making uh, the back end possible. And Frederick Marcoux, uh, Concepts Web, he makes Dial the Gates uh, uh, continue to function and with the updates that are coming uh, really soon. So thank you all for making the show possible. Thanks once again to Elena Huffman, uh, my guest for, for this show. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate, and I will see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.